Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I am Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's episode was a Q&A edition. So we took in some questions from our listeners, from our audience, from you guys. So we got into a couple of different topics around tracking and attribution, around measuring success when it comes to marketing and, and what channels we should use as B2B marketers. So Hopefully you guys enjoy. Hopefully we answered your questions to the the best that we could. And uh, as always, give us a like, subscribe, share this podcast with a friend or a colleague and enjoy. Today, we're going to be doing a couple questions from our audience that was sent in since we last recorded the questions. So I think these are some good questions. I picked three to go over today. We're going to go right to it so we can spend as much time giving great answers if that's okay. Yeah, sounds good. So first question I think is very relevant, especially for us as an agency to say, what sort of task campaigns do I do in-house versus an agency? Like, what do I give to my agency and what do Mm. I do in-house? I'm sure this is from somebody who's trying to maximize resources internally, externally. So what are your thoughts? I think it's interesting because we are obviously a marketing agency. We have a marketing agency. So the standard answer would be, you know, we want everything to be outsourced to an agency, but I actually don't believe that because I think there's some things that agency can do really well. And that there's a reason to hire an agency and some things that you should always do in-house. When your expectations are off, that's where the agency idea or the idea of outsourcing it can get a bad rap, right? Because you outsource something and it didn't work. And so sure. you say that, well, a- hiring an agency doesn't work. Really, there's a couple of things, right? I think the best way that you can work with an agency and our clients that have the most success with us and the way that we try to build our model is... Let's start with the beginning, which is the strategy, the direction, the strategy. What are we going to try to actually implement from a marketing perspective? That should be a collaborative effort where you work together. I think it can be agency led. And we have a process that we go through with our clients to develop that strategy because this is what we do, right? So if you don't have confidence in the fact that you have a marketing strategy, a marketing plan put together by a senior level experienced marketer, I think that piece can be done either collaboratively or can be outsourced to the right agency or consultant to help you build that together. Once you have that plan, then you should have the actionable items or deliverables that need to be done, right? So here's what we want to do. So in order to execute this plan, we need blog posts and social media posts and images and graphics and landing pages. And we need a Google AdWords campaign and we need, you know, all these kind of things, right? So what you should do in-house, I think, is manage the subject matter expertise of whatever it is that you do. So if you sell a product or a service, the agency is never going to be as knowledgeable about your product or service as you are internally. So I think that level of the content creation, if you're creating videos about your offering or you're writing even a blog post or creating a podcast or anything like that, social media post, I think that should be done and owned in-house. I think agency can help support that and help build out a content calendar. And then, you know, if it's a blog post, they can help optimize that blog post for search or help promote that content on different ad platforms. But I think anything that is requires you to have an in-depth level of knowledge or expertise about your offering or your customer, I think that needs to be handled internally. And I think that's the piece that a lot of marketers don't want to do. And they say, we don't have resources to write 10 blogs a month or whatever the strategy is. So they want to outsource that. And I think that's the lazy, like easy way out because someone else will do it for you, but they're not going to do it as good as you can do it. um, If you learn how to do it the right way, right? They might know how to like 
and hey, it needs to be 5,000 words and it has to have this keywords and this is the title and here's the internal linking structure. But the actual content, that valuable piece of you know, the whole puzzle should be handled internally. And then where you outsource is, I think typically, aside from that strategy and that partner to help you guide and point you in the right direction on the consultant side, I think it's the specialty areas where it doesn't make sense for you to hire internally, depending on your business model or your marketing plan. Development, for example, I think most marketing companies don't have high level, you know, full stack developer in-house, right? So I think design development can be outsourced. I think specialty tactics within something like SEO. I think, you know, the content piece, if I were going to build out, if my strategy was to drive a ton of organic traffic, I would hire in-house, I would hire basically journalists, I would hire copywriters, but I would outsource the optimization of that content, the technical fixes on the website and things like link building or outreach for PR, those kind of things, because it wouldn't make sense to staff that up in-house. I would have people that are dedicated to just learning about my product and service, about my industry and writing content and pumping that content out. So I think that part can be collaborative. Paid search, I, I would say, or paid media. Honestly, this would probably depend on the size of your company and probably your ad spend. I mean, if you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month or you know something like that, then it probably would make sense for you to build a team internally. But at the end of the day, there's companies and agencies that have teams that are dedicated to this resources, tools, and technologies. I mean, a lot of the enterprise Google ads platforms are very, very expensive that, you know, wouldn't make sense for you to buy internally that, you know, an agency might have access to. So I think it just depends on for something like ad spend would depend on the size of the company and and what you guys are doing. I don't know if that answers the question, but I guess to summarize, I would say the strategy and consulting piece and then specialty areas, I think is where I would outsource. Yeah. And the way I look at it is, a company that does the same thing over and over and over every day is going to have way better process and systems and, and checking quality and what's good, what's bad than a company that does something else as a business. Marketing is not the business that they're in. Um, So no matter, you wouldn't even know how to hire for the right talent because again, your business is something completely different, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great point. It's like this, depending on the size of your existing marketing department, there's challenges that come up with that because I think that first marketing hire is, is very difficult for a lot of companies because like you said, they don't know what to ask, what to look for. It's easy to get somebody to seem like they know what they're talking about. And then everything from there on is built on that person's understanding and that person's strategy. So you may go down completely. You might hire the wrong people after that person because they're doing the hiring. You might hire the wrong agency to help you because they're, they don't know what they're doing. So a lot of the rides on that, that first hire, I would say if you have a larger marketing department or, or marketing team, you made an interesting point is like, at what point is there that trade off where mm-hmm. you're going to get more value of someone who just does your business and just works 40 hours a week for your business versus someone who has a system in place. Right. And that's why I think content creation falls into that category because you can have as good of a system as you want for content creation to like writing a blog. I'm, I'm saying something like that for an outsource agency, but it's still that person still has to research about your product service, sit there and type it up and go through edits and all those kind of things. So I don't know how much more effective that can be than someone who's in-house. If you're going to create that level of content. Right. Now, if you're going to create one blog post a month, it's not worth it. Then you look at that. Right. So it's like, what do you, where's that breaking point of, does it make sense for me? to have someone dedicated. 
That's why I say those specialty areas, and it's always, I think, going to make more sense to outsource because even if you focus on that 40 hours a week, that person is still operating with essentially with blinders on because they're only working on, if you're, even if you have a, a web developer, for example, they're only working on your website all the time. But if you have that person that's outsourced, they're working on hundreds of websites and they're seeing what's happening in the industry, seeing trends, seeing changes. Their rate of improvement is so much faster than someone who's just sitting there and only managing a social media account or only running ads or only doing development for one website. So yeah, there's a sliding scale of like how much work you actually have for that particular strategy, like one blog post a month or one landing page a month. You don't need a developer and designer, content writer in-house, right? So when you get to scale, then you still have that question of where's the trade-off of hiring someone in-house, that learning curve, all those kind of things versus someone who is a specialty specialist at this. So it depends on every company, but I think there's room for both in-house and agency. Definitely. And I think it's a hybrid at some point, some things are cheaper if it's something small than and to pay an agency. If it's a minor piece of your bigger marketing mm-hmm. strategy, I wouldn't give the most valuable piece. I would want an expert working on my stuff, right? Yeah. I wouldn't try to do my own surgery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's a real question of, that I think it's not so much higher versus agency. It's the expertise. Well, yeah, and a lot of times what happens is it's not that they're going to make an additional hire or additional expenditure. I see a lot of the question of we're going to try to do it with our existing resources, right? Because you look at that as a fixed cost and you're like, we're already paying for this person, this intern or this person who's in sales, but also, you know, they built a website at their last company or they manage, they're younger so they can manage social media. And it's like, let's just give them two jobs. We don't have to pay them more or we'll pay them 10% more rather than hiring a new person or hiring an agency. And that is a completely different conversation because that's like the opportunity cost, like you said, of doing the wrong thing or not having the expert drive your strategy. And I actually probably see that more often than hiring one person, because I think once you go down that road of here's the strategy, you start to realize that it's not a one person job. So like I said, you know, even a simple campaign, like you might need email, you might need landing page, which needs design and development. Then you need copywriting for the landing page and for the wow. emails. Then you need an ad that you have to put together to promote the, the landing page. So then you need someone who knows social or Google copywriting design, all those kind of things, right? So now you're talking about three, four people that might have to get involved. So I think that's where the question is, well, I know I'm not going to hire four people, but you know, we might use one and a half people that we already have. And we just know it's going to take a little longer to get it done. And we're not going to increase our costs, but you're just going to delay results or maybe never get results because you don't know what you're doing. Right. And I think most marketers or CEOs or the folks that are in making decisions for marketing underestimate the value of time, right? Mm -hmm. Like the time part is actually what you should solve for. Who's going to get it done faster and they're going to get it done right. Which is funny because Usually what I see, the biggest proponent for bringing on an agency is that in-house marketer. Yeah, They're the ones that, like you said, value the time and know like, yeah. man, if I could find someone that could help me take this off my plate or find somebody that could show me a better way to do this, right. it would save me so much time. And if right. I had that time, I could focus on X, Y, and Z. Right. right. The things that can move the needle. Right. So a lot of times those in-house marketing people are the biggest proponent of hiring an agency, which you, like I said, the question is, you know, either or. 
And I don't think it's either or. I think you need an in-house marketing team. How big or small that is, that depends on what you're trying to do and the size of your company. You need some kind of resource internally, right? Because that agency needs some people to work with of course. to progress. And if that agency is just working with someone in sales or a senior, like a CEO or owner, there's going to be a disconnect because that owner is not focused on marketing all the time. Yep. And if they are focused on marketing all the time, they're neglecting some other aspect of their business. It's, absolutely. And I, I'm with you on that. I think we really, really given some thought onto this. What should you do? How to think about it? If you have more questions, hey, that's what we're here, right? Yeah. Growth Marketers at com. Send us an email. We'll get back to you. So next question we have is MQL versus SQL. Should I measure MQL? First of all, Taylor, let's talk about what these things are because you know sure. they're probably here. Go ahead. I'll let you give the... Uh, yeah, there's the people here definition. that may not know what it is. So if you're a brand new marketer, never heard these terms, I don't want you tuning out of this podcast and checking out another one. We're going to break this down for you. So uh, MQL simply means a marketing qualified lead versus SQL is sales qualified lead. Um, what is a marketing qualified lead, Taylor? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the definition would basically be someone who has converted or, you know, it doesn't have to be converted, but some a prospect, a contact, a, I would even look at it as like a, a cookie, right? It's anybody yeah. who has uh, showed form. interest in uh, your services and fits some sort of criteria that you have. Um, so if you were in the sales team, probably have like an ideal customer profile. If you're a marketing team, you have some sort of persona. So you, you know who this person is. It's a known contact. So we can market to them because they mm -hmm. are a good fit, but they might not necessarily be in market or they haven't been qualified in, on a phone call in terms of, you know, BANT or something right. like that, budget, need, authority, timeline. So we know that they fit our target market, but we don't know necessarily that they're in market to make a purchase or that they're considering our product or service. Absolutely. And in marketing in general, well, that's MQL. Can we talk about SQL? So SQL we, is, yeah, yeah, that next step, right? Is sales qualified lead, meaning they fit the first set of criteria and also they've shown some interest. So we've had, a, I would qualify it as we've had a conversation with them and the sales team agrees that they fit these three or four criteria that we can start the sales process. process. I think that that would be the best way to differentiate between the two. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone. All right, business go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS and especially with this podcast is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. The question was, should I measure S, uh, MQLs? Right. So I'm going to say no, because 
I think we live in a world right now that there's so much data and we have so much ability to target people and to get people's contact information that there's a really no, if the idea is that they fit our criteria and we have their contact information, you can go sign up for a Zoom info subscription and have 100 all, million yeah, contacts. For <laughs> pennies. I mean, I don't know exact cost of 50 cents a record or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's like, it's way cheaper to get MQLs that way than it is to try to get 10 or $20 ebook downloads on Facebook. And yeah. then, you know, the sales team complains that those people don't close. So I don't think MQL is a reasonable or I don't think it's an impactful measurement uh, for a marketing team. I think if you're a marketing team and you're measuring on that, two things are going to happen. One is that there's going to be a big divide between the sales and the marketing team because you're going to continue to ramp those numbers up and all of your metrics and maybe even your bonuses and all those kind of things are going to be based around leads generated and you're going to do everything you can to get more SQLs. And what's going to happen is then the salespeople are not going to close a lot of those deals. So then you start to fight, right? Because it's like, well, the salespeople are the problem because I generated a thousand leads last year and only two of them closed into business. Not my fault. I got you the leads. Um, And I have all this attribution data to show you the channels they came from and what, you know, they downloaded the ebook and they came to our website and all these kind of things. And so there's, there's going to be, like I said, a big kind of battle internally, which is not good. The second thing is that these different channels that you're optimizing for, you're going to start optimizing for the wrong metrics because you're just looking at those conversions, right? So even on the micro scale of like running Facebook ads, the best way, you know, it's like a Facebook lead ad is the cheapest way to get contact information. And so then the algorithms of those ads are going to start, you know, you're going to be optimizing for the lowest cost per lead. So you can scale your budget and get more MQLs and meet those metrics. And it's just going to be the wrong people because those are the people that are converting on that versus if you had a different strategy. So to me, SQL or even the further in the pipeline you can get for a marketing measurement is what you should look at. Like, marketing, I don't even say marketing influenced revenue, but like marketing sourced revenue, meaning how, where did those leads came from? They came from marketing, then they turned into revenue. Like that's the metric. So what is that ROI? Forget about all those other things. Like how did they find out about you and are they purchasing, which the short term KPI would be sales qualified, right? Because you can't control in the marketing side if they actually close. So if they're booking demos or they're booking time on the sales reps calendar, and they're qualified, like at least you're influencing that pipeline. So like marketing sourced pipeline maybe is the metric, but that that's more of an SQL than just MQL. Got it. Um, well, what about those people that are tracking MQL today and they're so happy they make 20 new MQLs a week? Right. For what? I mean, look at, I would look <laughs> at the the big metrics. We have clients like this that, that yeah. come to us and they say here we have right now we have 60 MQLs and that gives us three customers. And our goal is to get 30 customers. So we just need 600 MQLs. And it's like, what? Or why? That seems like such a big task just because you have that conversion rate and it's so small means like you're going to, let's just try to get more MQLs when you should be looking at, hmm, that is such a small conversion rate. Maybe MQL is the wrong (laughs) metric to track, right? But as soon as people find that equation of how many MQLs it takes to get a certain number of SQLs to get a certain number of deals, uh, the, a lot of times you start doubling down on that top metric right. because you know, like it will work at some rate, 
but I don't think that's the best rate to do. Got it. Got it. So um, focus on SQLs, ideally focus on revenue, work backwards. Right. That's you didn't yeah. have sales conversations. Yeah, I think if you're in B2B space, um, I mean, we've talked about, we talked about in the first question is like the value of the time is like, yeah. If, like I said, if the goal is now 600 MQLs, how many sales reps is right. it going to take to take all of those leads and follow up with them until they can become an SQL? Right. And w- at what cost? Like, what are they actually turning in? Like I said, it might be only be two or 20 or however yeah. many it is. So now we have, how, m- how much does that cost? Is that factored into your ROI? That right. it costs, we had to get three, had to hire three new SDRs just to qualify people and move them on to the, you know, mm-hmm. the next step in like I said, wouldn't it be cheaper if that's your goal? Just get those leads from Zoom Info and then cold outreach to them because it's going to cost a lot less. And that's you have you can have a sales process in place that's not, hey, I saw you download an ebook. Let me follow up with you a thousand. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think an ebook is it is what it is. You're getting mm-hmm. an ebook. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, any final thoughts on that one before before we move on? Yeah, I just um, I know you hate MQLs the, at this point. Van- get it out. It's just yeah, vanity <laughs> vanity metrics. I think um, it's like likes on a, on a on a post. Yeah, if you're trying to to if you have to manipulate the numbers that much to try to justify your job or your position, then either your company doesn't understand marketing and how it should work, or I mean, you're, you're doing, you're just doing the wrong things, right? Sure. Because but remember MQL could turn into an SQL overnight. Well, the, the problem is, is that it does happen, right? right. And it does happen. It's just a, such a small percentage sure. that happens. And there's a small, even smaller percentage of the people that actually convert on that form in the yeah. first place. So like, I would rather have higher quality leads bottom right. of the funnel with less salespeople and less overhead. Yep you have to sit there and take all those calls um, and more money on marketing because you can do marketing at scale, right? You can't do the sales at, at scale from right. that perspective. Absolutely. All right. We're going to do one more. Ready? Good stuff. Uh, does social work for B2B or should I focus on social media stuff <laughs> yeah. as a B2B company or should I just focus on, you know, bottom yeah. of funnel, get zoom info, email the right decision maker, create, you know, uh, opportunity for a sales call, yeah. Why would I waste my time creating content and 50 times a week and, you know, five different platforms? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think bad marketing never works, right? So it doesn't matter what platform it is. Um, the, the common objection of social would be like, well, you know, we're B2B, like our customers aren't on social media or like our customers are CEOs. Like are, they're not spending their time scrolling through Facebook. Right. Um, I mean, I look at, we look at the stats and like the percentage of Americans or just anybody who's on social platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, what, I mean, I would, I would include YouTube and some of those other channels in there in terms of social, anything that's passive, right? Not an active intent to make a purchase. Like Google is obviously the number one for that. Um, yeah. If your audience is there, then yes. Second, you have to approach your marketing and understand what your customer is doing on the platform It is a passive channel. So if your goal is to, like we just talked about, get MQLs, you're going to get very low quality leads. The salespeople aren't going to like it. They're not going to turn into deals. And then you're going to say social media doesn't work. But if your goal is, Hey, my audience is here. Let me educate them. Let me show them something. Uh, let me intrigue them a little bit or introduce them to my product or service. Then 
then you've won. If you're just looking at your targeting social, I mean, Facebook in general, the targeting capabilities in Facebook are really unlike anything we've ever seen from a, a marketing perspective, right? Like you couldn't do that. Like you couldn't, <clears throat> couldn't run a radio ad that was that targeted. You couldn't show a billboard that, you know, only senior VPs of SaaS companies drove by every day. Like it's so targeted, the targeting capabilities. When you layer that on with like behavioral characteristics and, you know, things that Facebook probably can't even legally say that they're yeah. targeting you based on, I think that's powerful. So the reach and the scale is the power of a social platform, but you have to use that pr properly and you have to understand what you're measuring uh, and what you're tracking. So it can be effective, but only if used the right way. If you're looking to drive, you know, if you, if you think that as a B2B organization, you're going to use Facebook the same way that somebody selling, you know, shoes or hats or yoga pants or whatever, like they're, it's not going to work that same way. It's not a transactional. Oh, that looks interesting. It's $50. Let me go quick. Check out Apple pay. Sure. It's shipping to me in two days like that. It's not how your business works most likely in the B2B space. So you have to change your marketing strategy. But if you understand what the platform is good for, the reach, the scale, the targeting, um, and you use it to communicate with your audience, then 100% can be effective. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, it really depends on your content creation capability. Do you have folks that's ready to do it? Can you build an organization where you can you know, adopt that, right? I mean, not everybody can just create content and like you and I say all the time, cut it up into pieces, yep. put it on LinkedIn. And it takes enormous amount of patience. Number one product, project management, even strategy. What are you going to be writing about? Um, but I think one thing that a B2B company cannot live without would be social ads. Mm -hmm. So like you said, the reach and the scale is there. Sorry. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I was referring to. I guess yeah. I thought that was what the question ads, was about. Ads, but, yeah. but like social ads, I don't think, you know, you, I don't, I don't think you should live without it because mm -hmm. I think the audience is there. Uh, they might step on your website for 10 seconds, but you yeah. capture them on a Facebook feed. You don't know the CEOs are on Facebook as well. They're not, you know, they're, but, they're scrolling through their feed just like anybody else. So, yeah. And actually we should probably talk about the organic side too, because I think that can be super powerful. It just takes more time. Like you're saying, you have to have the resources either for organic or for, um, for paid to put something of value out there. Yep. I mean, that's going to be and consistency, yep. right? It's really, really, if you back to our podcast episode, the first 10 might not get any views or downloads, but just like anything else, but over time, you're going to build the attraction. People are going to know that you put out good content. They're going to comment back. They're going to, you know, engage with your content and they almost get to a point they're expecting it. Mm. <laughs> and so it takes a lot of time. I I'm, I'm with you. B2B brands should do it if they have the bandwidth. Yep. I think it takes a lot of time. Um, do you go from a social post to a lead? Yes, they can. If it's at the right place at the right time, they will certainly do it. I know it can scale, but yeah. And probably not it want that what it's not the first time they've interacted with your brand. I think that's the problem. And people get so caught up in that attribution of like last click. Yeah. And I, I just don't, but there's a lot of stuff that happens that you can't track, you know, unfortunately um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it. Um, you know, that leads me to one, one, one piece um, that we should end this podcast with is, you know, iOS 14 and tracking. Sure. I think it was a nightmare for every marketer. And so what do they do? because they no longer track anything more than a seven day window. They think it's everything's our row ass is down. Everything, everything is terrible. 
Mm-hmm. Same mentality. I used to be able to track all this stuff. I, I used to know everything from top to bottom, my click-through rate to my conversion, how much money we made. Now it's gone. Am I going to stop marketing? Yeah. Um, I told my team, let me take everything away. Give me no report. I just had to put money in Facebook ads and I had no idea what happens. I would still market. Why? Because I know the people I'm trying to go after are there. Right. I'm not doing it based on 3% and two and a half and this dollar amount for per conversion. And the reason I say that is if you, like you said, back in the day, what did they do? They didn't have any reports coming out after you put a back page right. ad in the newspaper. People, they wrote really good headlines. Then. Yeah. Hey, yeah. How'd you hear about us? <laughs> they wrote really good headlines and really amazing copy. And they put it out there and hope for the best because that was all they had. Right. So today we're just so caught up in numbers, so caught up in, oh my gosh, I got to have this, this and this. And all my PPC person complain about, oh, all our numbers are off. Everything's terrible. It looks, it's tanking. Why? Because we're so caught up in those little itty bitty metrics that we think is now marketing when we forgot the basics, which is communication. Right. You're communicating to your target audience and then get yeah, them to move. Is, I mean, I think that's an important distinction is it's not necessarily that the targeting is any different. It's that the reporting is different. Right. So exactly. if, if you were, if your ads are performing before in your audience, then why wouldn't you believe that it's different right. just because you can only show a seven day window. Crash. That's, that's what I'm saying. Well, on, on, on the dashboard is wrong, but in reality right. is your sales and your marketing and, you know, is it, are you pulling in the qualified leads and whatever else you measure? And so I like how you always say that, you know, uh, metrics and this and that and last click attribution and all those things, everybody gets so caught up in their tracking right. that tracking is now dictating marketing as opposed to deciding right. what to do with my company's marketing messages, who do we show to, and maybe measuring just yeah. SQLs, forget yeah, everything else. It's, it's like, we get so wrapped up in the data. We need a little bit more of, you know, just intuition and yeah, in, in marketing and kind of like, well, let's look at what we're actually doing. These are not numbers and, you know, profiles. Like these are people that are going through Facebook or LinkedIn or right. whatever. Like what messaging is going to resonate with them? How do we get sure. them to click on this? How do we show them value once they're there? What are we going to give them that's of value in terms of an offer? Um, and yeah, forget about all those other metrics. I mean, yeah. it needs to be cost effective in the the reach based on the right. rates that you have, conversion rates. But I think you just have to look at that a little bit different uh, and not so, don't get so caught up in the, yeah. And let the numbers are the only thing that can dictate it. I tell you, so many people are going to move money away from Facebook or Instagram or this or that because of this. And they're going to be making some terrible mistakes in and my we'll opinion, see, yeah. you know, because they're, they're not able to see the full picture. So anyway, that wraps up this episode. Any final thoughts? Um, anything you want to add? Send in more questions. We, we love answering your questions. So um, if you have some questions, send them in and uh, we'll do our best to, to answer them. Absolutely. Growth marketers at one IMS.com. That's our email. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you all next time. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you could do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, 
let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight all right for our next episode or the one after that and finally you guys join other growth marketers head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you i'm talking guides webinars blogs videos anything that could help you become a growth marketer all right so thanks a lot for joining us this week on the growth marketers podcast and i will see you next time